Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. So as the sun rose as a sign of hope yesterday morning over the horizon, the USS Comfort, which is the largest hospital, really, it's just, it's a huge hospital ship. Uh, USS Comfort set sail from Norfolk, Virginia, arrived in New York Harbor midday yesterday. I will tell you the images of that massive white ship emblazoned with a single red cross um, brought tears to my eyes. So as this, that city is now the epicenter of the outbreak of the coronavirus pandemic here in the United States, which notably um, New York City now ranks ninth among all nations in the world. It, this one city, the city of New York, ranks ninth among all nations in the world in terms of coronavirus cases um, and the the stress being put upon the healthcare system there is obviously massive. And so... Um, those who are going to be served aboard the USS Comfort are those who are not suffering with coronavirus but do need hospital care, hospitalization, surgery, all those kinds of things. And so um, it's a great gift. Samaritan's Purse has, has also staged up field hospitals in Central Park. If you haven't seen those images yet, um, that's astonishing. We are, we've become accustomed to seeing those images in foreign countries when there is some kind of devastation in some place in the world, and Samaritan's Purse goes and stands up hospitals. Um, To see it in Central Park here in the United States, pretty sobering, recognizing we are literally all in this together. This is is an event that the entire world is experiencing together, and we're all vulnerable, and we don't like feeling vulnerable. Um, And so just encourage you today to recognize that the challenges that we are facing here in the United States are only amplified around the world in countries um, less healthy than ours, less healthy in terms of an economy, less healthy in terms of a form of government, less less healthy in terms of the actual physical welfare of the people. Um, And so let's be praying around the globe today, particularly for countries like India, talking about massive numbers of people where food was already short. There's very little margin there between life and death. Um, Countries like Liberia, where they have uh, less than 10 ventilators for a population of 5 million people. And so when we are concerned here about the surging of resources or the reusing of masks or those kinds of things, we need to be very, very mindful of just how uh, devastated the rest of the world is um, and that people around the globe are facing the prospect of death on a scale, frankly, never seen. And when I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm trying to um, wade into the content with sobriety. Um, we are, without a doubt, facing the greatest challenge the world has faced in 100 years. Not since World War I and the Spanish flu in 1918 and 1919 has the entire social order, the entire world, economies, healthcare, education, tourism, entertainment, I mean, those didn't 
really exist 100 years ago, but they do now. Um, everything that you can think of, except maybe for like fishing, farming, and construction, landscaping. Maybe these these have not been paralyzed, but everything else has been. Um, and leadership is needed. And we're going to need leaders who are constructive and compassionate and clear and non-polarizing and inspiring and creative and sensitive to the fear and desperation that people are experiencing wherever they call home, here or abroad. And so let me just say this morning that worldview has never mattered more than it matters right now. And and this nation has never been as ripe for the gospel as it is right now. Um, an, in, an MSNBC host where, you know, if I were telling you that a Fox News host asked a pastor to pray on live television, you would not be shocked. An MSNBC host asking a pastor to pray on live television, that happened this past Sunday. That has never happened before. Um, and so when we uh, when we consider things that are happening today that have never happened before, I want you to consider the pathways for the gospel that are being opened up. We are gospel people, and this is our time. We are in the world precisely for such a time as this. We know the good, the great, the gracious, redeeming God for whom souls around the world now ache. We actually know the name of the unknown God. And all that soaking in the word that you've been doing over the years, all of that wonderful worship, all of those fantastic Sunday school classes and Bible study circles that you've been in, right now, right now, all of that is in need of being squeezed out like a balm in today's Gilead. This is our time. And we not only have a better story, we actually have the good and great news of the gospel that answers all the bad questions people are asking. So let us uh, be people today who are possessed of hope, standing on the solid ground um, while everything else around us is shaken. Let us be the people who declare the good news of the gospel to all people in all circumstances, and let us do it now for such a time as this. All right, next up, I've got Nick Pitts. He and I are going to talk about that mercy, well, that comfort, USS Comfort arriving in New York Harbor yesterday. I found it so moving. I'm going to ask Nick why he thinks it moved me to tears. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Joining me now, Nick Pitts. You can find him on Twitter at JNickPitts. Welcome back, my friend. Carmen, so great to be with you this morning. How are you? I am well. It is well with my soul. Oh, so good. So good. Okay, I know you saw I know you saw all of those artists who um contributed to that um to that what was it? What talk, what do you call that? Oh a mashup, an yeah, online choir? It was a yeah, it was a choir of individuals that were utilizing their computers and their phones to come together uh, as we do, uh, as many of us do every Sunday or what have you during normal times, come together to lift their voice to the name that is above every name. And uh, they we're talking about this viral video that uh, broke out last week when individual Nashville artists that obviously aren't doing uh, their work habits have changed, just like everyone else's work habits have changed. But this time they decided to give their efforts towards all coming together to sing a part of It Is Well. And we 
know it as well is just a, a, a true hymn of the faith that has a propensity to bring a steadiness in very tumultuous times. And it, I would highly encourage your listeners that they haven't heard it yet. It is just absolutely astounding to see how individuals, one, can still come together in this time using technology, but two, just a sweet reminder of when we come together, we're stronger, not only as body, but also as a country. And I'm, I'm just captivated by just the devastating numbers that are coming out of this pandemic that we're in right now. But the resolve of the variety of different ways individuals are trying to come together and say that, yes, these times may be bad, but we are strong when we're together. Absolutely. Um, I was I was moved yesterday um, when that enormous white ship with that red cross emblazoned on it uh, moved into New York Harbor. Um, I'm I'm aware of the fact that uh, New Yorkers were unable to resist the temptation, the draw to leave. You know, we leave their imposed quarantine. People were drawn. It was like. Palm Sunday, people coming out to see if the Savior had arrived. Like it was, um, it was pretty extraordinary. Why? Why did I cry? Why? Why was I weeping? I, I you know, I, I've thought about that for a little bit, and I, you know, you can't help but think that one, when you realize the the severity of a problem, but then you see something come from far away to help bring a solution. There's like echoes of the divine, right? We, uh, for those that I have eyes to see, we recognize the severity of our sin, but uh, that God even traveled further than uh, the comfort ship. He didn't travel thousands of miles, but rather he traveled from a place of perfect perfection at the right hand of the Father. He traveled, he traversed time in order to make himself come into time to be able to rescue us here on earth, taking the form of a child. I think there's echoes of the divine there. Um, And then, I mean, and then, like you said, uh, the idea that individuals were kind of not, this wasn't a good thing, but they were not social distancing, but were doing everything that they can to lay eyes on this ship that was was making its way through New York Harbor. I mean, we know to be true, right? When that, when the Savior comes, uh, when the Savior was lifted high, He's going to draw all men to Himself. There's this propensity for us to draw near to that which we think can save us um, and provide some relief to us. And I don't, I, th- I don't think it was any by chance that the comfort was able to produce some type of emotion, and not just you, but a lot of individuals that one helped us better understand the severity of the problem, but two, to realize that there can be alleviation of that problem, which is that ship. So I had a young person observe to me that, um, that right, that there are people who are looking in all kinds of places for no. hope and for help. And, um, and she, she kind of halfway quoted the Psalm that talks about, you know, from, from where will our help come? It's not going to come from the mountains. It's not going to come. Um, it's not even going to come from a ship that sails into a harbor. Um, our help is going to come from the Lord and the maker of heaven and earth. And yeah. you know, she's right. She's right. And so I do think, Nick, that there are opportunities for the gospel right now. People are searching for hope. They want to know there is something bigger and stronger and better than the story being told by the coronavirus. Um, and we know that bigger, better thing. We know the good news of the gospel, and this just feels like time is ripe. And, you know, and it's so beautiful. I love how you put it. it, it there's 
it's a beautiful thing to see individuals come together, everybody from John Krasinski and the Good News Network that he's putting together to the Inspire song that people are putting together. I mean, there's there's a lot of different ways that people are trying to find respite, relief, and hope. And I don't want to squelch any of those. But what we know as Christians is that those are mere glimmers uh, of the eternal flame that is the fanning the flame, the gift of God that's inside of all of us. Those are just temporary reliefs that can come from when you realize the true relief that can be found and the hope that can be found that the, the writer of Hebrews says is a secure anchor for our soul that is blessed, that is living. Like when we find that real relief, that's really can bring us a, a great hope and a steadiness as we make our way through this tumultuous time. Absolutely. All right. How about you and I take a very brief break? When we come back, I want to turn our attention to, you know, the realities of of desperation and the loss of hope that many people are experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have um, actually an, an escalation in suicides, and people are having a very difficult time. Um, people who are struggling with substance abuse are having a very difficult time right now. So. We want to turn our attention uh, to those concerns and how we as the people of God might help. That conversation up next with Nick Pitts. He's a fellow at the Institute for Global Engagement. You can follow him on Twitter at Pitts. We'll be right back. Resuming my conversation with Nick Pitts. He is a fellow at the Institute for Global Engagement. You can find him on Twitter at JNickPitts. Nick, um, the headlines related to um, people literally reaching like the end of their personal rope, taking their own lives um, in the midst of all of this, remind us um, about just the status of um, people turning to suicide here in the United States. We were already in the midst of a suicide epidemic um, and now people have lost their jobs and they are fearful in ways they had not been before. Yeah, it is, again, one of those ancillary uh, unintended consequences of a pandemic that we're in right now. And so if the coronavirus wasn't bad news enough, we know that there are um, just a variety of outshoots that happen to come off of that. And so we know that unemployment has a propensity to create depression, which often, which at times can lead to suicidal thoughts. We know that uh, it comes from a domestic strife when being in a household for a significant period of time has that proclivity as well. And I mean, even before uh, this happened, there was a report that indicated that 8% of children have su- suicidal thoughts and children being defined as anyone between 8 and 13 years old. It was an uptick from previous years. And so just holistically, we know that in 2018, there were approximately 128 Americans that um, that um, uh, committed suicide uh, that year. That was an uptick from the previous year of 123. In 2016, it was the first year uh, that there were, among individuals under the age of 17, there were more suicides than there were homicides, and that hasn't changed since. It really started in about the year 2000, as best researchers can tell, where we started to see an uptick in the number of individuals that were committing suicide. Um, It it increased um, from 2000 to 2006, about 1% uh, every year. And then from 2006 to 2016, it jumped about 2% 
uh, a year as well. And it really is, um, you can call it, um, the best we know is, uh, unfortunately, it's, it's kind of known as the contagion effect from what we can tell. Um, you've got to remember during this time, we know Robin Williams uh, committed uh, suicide during that time, as well as everything from 13 Reasons Why and other shows. But what the contagion effect um, entails is a, simply when one person does it and it makes the news, it almost gives a license as well as this propensity for other people to go ahead and do it as well. And when individuals are stuck in their homes, losing their jobs, and they're forced to watch the news or just consumed by social media reports, which we know are up to, it's an uptick right now, it does create the propensity, which you've alluded to and the research indicates that there's an uptick right now in the number of individuals that are committing suicide. Mm. So we want to encourage you, if you are... Um struggling, if you're suffering, if you are feeling desperate, um, we want you to call the National Suicide Hotline. Um, get online, find resources, um, reach out. Um, we love you and God loves you and you are not as alone as you feel right now. And there mm-hmm. is hope. Um, and, yeah. and we don't want we don't want people to lose sight of that. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, Carmen, Nick. Just go ahead just to be very explicit, because if the research is correct, there's probably some of your listeners that have had thoughts of this right now. And so I just want to encourage them to, if they're having some of those thoughts, one, you can call the suicide hotline at 1-800-273-8255. Again, 1-800-273-8255. But then also, let's just, I want us to think about the hopefulness of this as well, because one, one of the ways in which we're starting to see just kind of a, a sweet byproduct of this uh, of this pandemic right now is you're starting to see the church flex and really work in such a way that's utilizing technology to be able to get the good news of the gospel out there in brand new ways and very effective ways. And there are a, a host of ministries that are really doing a phenomenal job of ministering to individuals, ministering, being serving, loving, being the hands and feet of Jesus virtually through this time. And so I think that's one of the ways that we want. I want us to also look to the good as well, that there are a host of individuals that are struggling. And if that's you, call the hotline. But it's almost as easy as just logging on to your Facebook page to be able to see a, a ministry that's doing great work to try to serve individuals as they try to make their way through this health emergency. Again, um, I mean, I, I just don't think that we can reiterate this point strongly enough. If you know a person who is um, particularly isolated and vulnerable right now, um, I also want you to reach out to them. Be proactive in reaching yeah, yeah. out to people who you know um, suffer from substance abuse, who you know are challenged with um, suicidal ideation, who you know have mental health challenges. Please do not allow them to um, become desperate and isolated. Um, be the be the lifeline to them. They may not be listening right now, but you are listening. And so I want to activate you um, as a minister of the gospel, as a as a as an agent of grace, to reach out today, call, text, reach out on social media um, to those people who you know are are vulnerable to the lies of the liar. 
um, and speak truth and love and life and light into their lives today. Nick Pitts, thank you for the joyful um, spirit of which you are possessed and the way that you um, always bring the truth of the gospel with joy to bear on the headline news of the day. Just really appreciate it. Uh, It's my pleasure. So great to be with you this morning, Carmen. It's great to be with you as well. All right, that's Nick Pitts. He's a fellow at the Institute for Global Engagement. You can find him on Twitter at JNickPitts. We'll be right back. So following Hurricane Harvey, which you may remember, dumped 52 inches of water uh, on the greater Houston region, Houston churches ask themselves, um, how shall we then respond? Um, it, it occurs to me that the entire country is now inundated with um, with something that we didn't expect to have to learn to live with nor recover from. And so uh, Houston Responds seemed like a good network of churches for us to reach out to. They responded to some 400,000 households across the greater Houston area that were um, flooded. FEMA processed 800,000 uh, requests to meet urgent needs, but the community still had to answer the question, what do we do with a, over 100,000 families left displaced or living in damaged homes without the economic power to recover themselves? Um, and so Houston Responds has been answering that question across the city of Houston now for a couple of years. And so next up, Jeff Schultz from Houston Responds is going to tell us what we can learn from them as we all face this sort of hurricane that's flooding every city and small town in America, but against which the church is going to rise. She will stand. She will serve for as long as it takes for people to recover. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Okay, so this Saturday at 9 a.m. Central, um, at least Susie Larson and I, we're trying to talk Bill Arnold into it as well, but at least Susie Larson and I are going to host a special hour of prayer and testimony with you live. It's going to be a live call-in show. You know, I've never done a live call-in show, so it should be a kick in the pants. All right, so Susie Larson and I, at 9 a.m. this Saturday, we're going to do a one-hour live call-in show, uh, 9 a.m. Central. You're going to use the same number that you use to text me every day. So that's 877-933-2484. Go ahead and mark it down. It should be saved in your phone by now, right? Like Carmen, Mornings with Carmen, should be saved as 877-933-2484. You normally use it to text me during the show. This coming Saturday, I think that's April the 4th. Um, I've sort of lost track of the days. Uh, this coming Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. Central, you are going to call Susie Larson and I at 877-933-2484. We're going to share stories of hope and encouragement. You're going to tell us the good news stories of things happening where you are. You're going you're to talk to us about how God has uh, reached into and through you and your life through the ministries of, of Faith Radio and um, we're going to encourage one another. And yes, we're going to pray. We're going to pray together. We're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for each other as a testimony to God's faithfulness in this time. So mark your calendar, set set an alarm on your phone. And yeah, go ahead and put the number in, 877-933-2484. This Saturday, 9 to 10 a.m., at least me and Susie Larson, um, maybe Bill Arnold as well. Maybe this will provoke him. All right, so there you go. Your show hosts from Faith Radio Network are going to uh, gather with you. So we need you to plan in advance to participate this coming Saturday. I look forward to it. Next up, Jeff Schultz from Houston Responds. Peer pressure. 
It's a natural part of life. We face it, and our kids face it too. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. The desire to fit in with others isn't relegated to a certain age bracket, and it can be a positive thing, especially when you're surrounded by people who want to do the right thing. But as moms and dads know so well, when our teens surround themselves with friends of questionable character, their convictions get compromised. It's not a conscious choice to disregard your values and priorities. They just desperately want to fit in. As a mom or dad, you need to understand the nature of the battle. Help them find their way in a world that's working against them. Want more parenting help from Mark Gregston? Find encouragement through articles, books, and more at ParentingTodaysTeens.org or search for Parenting Today's Teens in your favorite app store. Jeff Schultz from Houston Responds. You can find all the information we're talking about today at HoustonResponds.org. Jeff, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning, Carmen. Good morning. How, how are my people? The people, people who you people love best in, in the world who I also love. <laughs> we love you, too. <laughs> people are good in, good in Houston. Of course, a lot of people suffering, but uh, in, in our own neighborhood, people are reconnecting with each other. And uh, out in the streets, walking and talking at a safe distance, of course. And so there's some silver linings to all this, but a lot of suffering going on in Houston. Yeah, absolutely. So um, help us get a sense. It's a big city. Help us get a sense of, um, of you know, what's happening in Houston today. I know most of us kind of only know what's happening in our neck of the woods, but you're so connected to people across the city that I'm thinking that maybe you have a sense of what's uh, of what's happening across the city of Houston as you all are um, you know, at a different stage in the coronavirus um, experience than some of the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Across the city, we, we get our perspective primarily through churches because we're connected through uh, through churches to the city. And what we're hearing mostly is that p- people are experiencing uh, isolation and, and loneliness uh, mm-hmm. in a new way. And that's nothing new. A lot of the things that we're experiencing are the same things we hear are happening around the country and other big cities. But but some of the some of the big issues we hear repeatedly are isolation and also uh, hunger. There are people mm-hmm. that are lacking food, and th- that's a big issue, especially in the Houston Independent School District because they shut down their food distribution program because someone in the program got the virus. So, so there are a lot of people lined up trying to get food that's uh, increasingly scarce around Houston. Uh, and then there's financial hardship. We keep hearing about, you know, personally about people that are losing their jobs and then uh, on a broader scale, companies that are having to let uh, a vast portion of their employees go. So there's financial hardship, food short- shortages, and of course, people are getting sick. So that, that's a snapshot. All right. So I feel like Houston Responds um, and and because of Houston Responds, which is this network of churches, I feel like you are actually better positioned to respond citywide as churches to these challenges because these are not dissimilar from the challenges that were faced by the city of Houston after Hurricane Harvey. Um, so, so introduce us to Houston Responds 
and then talk about how Houston Responds is now involved in helping the city cope. After Hurricane Harvey, churches responded uh, amazingly, uh, poured out time and resources uh, to, uh, in the beginning to help people with the, the initial relief effort, and then also uh, mucking and gutting homes. So churches around the city mobilized literally thousands of volunteers to help people muck and gut their homes and and recover initially from the hurricane. When the long-term recovery process started of walking people through the recovery and helping to rebuild their homes, it became more complicated, um, a more sophisticated process that took a lot more co- coordination. And so some church leaders th- thought that it, it, it would be better to do it together. <laughs> great idea <laughs> that that we would work work together as churches and so a couple of coalitions started in the south part of Houston and northwest part of Houston some of the church leaders that were involved in those coalitions um, th- thought it might be uh, a good idea to to help expand that to greater Houston and so Houston response was born and now there are about 13 or 14 coalitions of 10 or 20 churches around the city prepared to respond to disasters. And we've had plenty of them over the last couple of years. Again, I'm talking with Jeff Schultz. Uh, We are talking about Houston Responds. You can find all the information at HoustonResponds.org. Talk a little bit about who is involved um, and and maybe give us an example of, you know, how one of these coalitions has responded to a particular event in a particular community in the last few years. Hmm. People, people involved in Houston response are largely people like me. And what I mean by that is people that they didn't really plan on this. They didn't plan to be involved in a disaster response coalition of churches. It, it just happened. And, and people have, have responded uh, as the people of God should trying to love their neighbors and help their, their neighbors in need. And, that's primarily meant for a couple of years now, helping to to rebuild homes. So, you know, one one example of that would be about a year ago, a woman named Leola Davis in North Central Houston, who had been flooded out of her home in Harvey, had been displaced for over a year and made phone call after phone call trying to get help, and and help didn't come. We came across her through a case management system and realized she needed help, reached out to her, and um, and that was the beginning of for her of recovery. And that meant for us bringing together about a half a dozen churches to rebuild her home over the course of three or four months. During that three or four months, Leola went through a spiritual transformation that was that 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 was amazing. She was during the first year after Harvey, when she was deplaced, she was depressed and despondent and hopeless and wondering if God was there. And when these people showed up, she was, uh, it, it was for her an answer to a, a prayer that she had prayed for months and months and months. And she called these people her, her angels, angels from God who came, volunteers from churches around her area to rebuild her home. After her home was rebuilt, she began attending one of the churches that 
had helped to rebuild her home. And now her daughter and her grandchildren are part of that church. And so that that whole recovery process for her came full circle from a, a disaster, being disconnected from God, displaced from her home, and then uh, recovered back to her home and, and back in relationship with God. So that, that's, I think that, that's, a, that's a story that gives the full picture of recovery uh, in Houston. I just love it. All right, Jeff Schultz and I are going to continue this conversation in just a moment. You can find the resources we're talking about, uh, the stories that we are sharing, and also how you can duplicate this effort in your own community at HoustonResponds.org. We'll be right back. I'm continuing my conversation with Jeff Schultz. You can uh, you can find him and the information we're talking about this morning at HoustonResponds.org. Um, Jeff, let's talk about what you have learned about the positive witness of collaboration versus the destructive witness of competition that we too often see among churches and mm-hmm. ministries in a particular community. Mm-hmm. I'm reminded of a verse in, in the Gospel of John where... Jesus was uh, praying for his disciples, and he said he he prayed that they would be one, not just for the sake of being one and being united, but he said, I pray that you will be one so that the world will know that I was sent by the Father. I I think one of the reasons that church disunity and competition is so destructive is that I think people intuitively know that when when churches are competing and it's about who gets the credit that it's not it's not of God even if they don't believe in God I think they know enough about the concept of God or the or the concept of the Christian God that churches in competition are not of God uh, or, or they, they at least are not behaving as if they are sent from the Father, and and when people sense that, uh, I, I don't think they want to participate. They want to go the other way. Uh, conversely, when when churches collaborate and work together, I think people intuitively know that that is that's a demonstration of the God in whom we believe, the the the, the Father who we say has sent us. To, to love the world. So uh, when, when that happens, you know, like in that, that collaboration that rebuilt Leola's home and, and reconnected her with God uh, in her community, that's exactly what happened. People saw, her neighborhood saw people from different churches and different parts of the city coming together to help their neighbor in need, and that drew them to come out and help their neighbor in need and to get to know people around the city uh, that that named the name of Jesus and and claimed to be sent by our Father in heaven and demonstrated that, uh, so it it grows on itself. I love the um I love the image right that Jesus projects here like right that the unity of the body of believers is going to bear testimony and witness positively to who He is and the reality mm-hmm. of His unity with the Father. And the spirit, and conversely, when we are fractured and when we are behaving in ways that are competitive instead of collaborative, 
we we bear false witness. Like, right, we are actually bearing false testimony against the reality of who Christ is and what he has come to accomplish. And so we're we're then not advancing the gospel in our own generation in ways that we are called Mm -hmm. um, and sent to do. So I just um, I I always think that it's helpful, right, to point to the unity of um, of the spirit, the bond of peace, the reality of the unity of the body, and that any time we think that we as one part of the body can do without all the other parts, we're just wrong. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. So what are some of the needs that um, you recognize because of your experience, not only with Houston Response, but serving in an inner city Seattle? What are some of the needs um, that you know exist in our communities today that most of us either just drive by or we just simply are blind to, we just do not see? Mm-hmm. Good good question. I, th- I think the, the things that I mentioned earlier, especially in the context of coronavirus, come come to mind. There, there are people that are lonely and isolated behind closed doors that uh, that we don't even know. We don't know the despair and the hopelessness that they're, they're experiencing uh, because we don't know them. Uh, there are people right now as a result of, of COVID-19 that are hungry, uh, that we never would have imagined that. I think, uh, for example, a, a family who's home one of uh, one of our coalitions of churches built uh, rebuilt in in East uh, East Harris County. We uh, we we replaced their roof. We re- we rebuilt their foundation, and and that was a that was an, an incredible blessing for them. But in the process, a church got to know that family through this coalition and the connections that were made, and realized that this family was not only living in a in a home that needed repair, their uh, their life in many ways needed repair. They were disconnected from the faith community. They were disconnected from their family, and they were hungry, literally hungry. And this was long before COVID nineteen happened. And so this church, which happened to have a food pantry, brought this this family food. And you know, had you walked by that house and never knocked on the door and got to know those people. You would never have known the the challenges that they're facing as a family. So when COVID nineteen happened, this 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 church that had been ministering to this family uh, some months ago realized they're probably hungrier than ever, and and it turns out that they were. So th- this church, this is just last week, on their own accord, uh, took a gift of food and and some people who. Uh, cared for this family, had cared for this family before, uh, took them food. And it turned out they were hungry. They weren't able to get out. They were isolated. They were lonely. uh, And it was just what they needed to experience the love of God uh, in a real practical way. So there are are literally thousands, if not tens of thousands of people around Houston right now who behind closed doors are suffering are lonely, are hungry, are experiencing financial hardship. Uh, so I, I think it, it's it's a challenge, uh, Carmen, in this context and in social distancing to, to love our neighbors, but there are there are creative ways after creative ways that churches are finding to do that. So I'm aware of one, um, you know, fairly small congregation in Northeast Georgia. They've been doing this monthly food distribution um, since 2005. So this is something that's been going on for a really long time. Um, but obviously, you know, during this uh, during this particular season, 
um, they need to be their their community needs them to be distributing food more frequently. And mm-hmm. there's food to be distributed. Um, there just are not uh, distribution points in every community, at least that, you know, just sort of like up and running and already know how to do this in a way that's um, right. that's socially responsible. So I want to applaud what local congregations are doing across the country um, and just appreciate your willingness to share what you guys have been doing and are doing through Houston Responds. I always appreciate, Jeff, you guys have this willingness to, you know, to teach others how to do what you are doing, to share your experience in order that this could be multiplied in more and more places. So thanks so much for joining us today on Mornings with Carmen and for what you're doing. Um, And folks can find Jeff and Houston Responds at HoustonResponds.org. Hey, give your love to to my family. and um, I will. Yeah, yeah. Agnes in particular. Good to connect with you, Carmen. Hugs. Hugs to Agnes. Okay. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. We'll be right back. Okay, sometimes Paul surprises me when the mic is hot. Hello, everyone. Um, so um, it's just a joy. I know that you think that it's a little crazy for me to to send out hugs to somebody. But I've known Agnes for a really long time, and Jeff is her son-in-law, so I feel confident he can hug her. Like, I think that that's maybe still not breaking the social distancing rules. Um, Otherwise, Agnes, you're probably listening. And so um, I love you, my sweet friend, and praying God's health um, upon you and those you love best in the world today as well. Let's be doing that. Let's be praying for each other. Uh, Let's be praying for each other today. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.